Forced appreciation is the biggest ROI component, you know, using that sweat equity uh, to add to it. That allows you to almost double your investment, even on your repairs alone. You're listening to Ice Cream with Investors, a podcast that is dedicated to teaching you how to better invest your money so that you can live a more intentional life. I'm your host, Matt Four, and it is my goal to teach and empower you to remove the roadblocks to your financial success. All right, Monica, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me back on. Great to be here. You got it. You got it. Well, you know, we like to start with the difficult questions. What's your favorite ice cream? Well, I would have to say, let's just keep it simple with a little bit of a twist, which would be vanilla and cookie dough. Yum, yum. We were at the movies the other day and they had these little cookie dough bites. I don't know if you've ever had one, but uh, it's impossible to have one. Like I had a whole entire bag in an hour movie and felt awful afterwards, but delicious. All those, none the the same. Definitely one of those guilty pleasures. Yeah. Well, remind our guests, um, you were on a show earlier this year, but remind our guests in case they're new to you. Tell us their scoop. What do you do today? Well, I'm a real estate investment specialist and wealth builder and founder of RPI Education, which is the world's fastest growing investment community. And we're on a mission to help fill the wealth gap by making financial literacy accessible to all Americans and to have all American people incorporating wealth building tools used by the top 2% so we can help fill this wealth gap. One of them being investing in real estate. Yeah, I love it. And you just came out recently with a new book, Real Estate Wins, Our Our Systems, Your Success. Before we get into the book, though, we were uh, chatting a little bit offline about a Florida development deal that you were doing. And I found a lot of things interesting in that, specifically around just your journey through that process. I guess take us uh, take us back a couple of years ago. How did you get involved with this development? And tell us the the highlights of the deal. So, as a real estate investment specialist, like our job mainly is to always figure out where are high growth areas that we could invest in, that we could grow our portfolio in, and we could help other people um, grow their money in. That's what we really kind of do as full time investors. And we're really, really big on areas with these strong, strong economic fundamentals. So most of my time is researching areas. It's not chasing cheap properties. It's not looking for low money, no money down deals. It really is doing a less is more approach to real estate investing. So people could really kind of help be able to retire, help their kids out or make more money every month. Those are what our goals. Even with one property, we'd say like one to three active properties you could do this. So one area we are focusing on was in Florida. Now, I never really liked the Florida market and I actually lived in Florida for a while. So I love Florida, but I never really liked the Florida market so, so much because of like Disney or beachfront. We don't really do like the vacation rentals, the Mickey Mouse, whatever. We're searching for areas with these strong economic fundamentals. So With research with one of our U.S. specialists, um, we actually landed upon the Ocala-Marion County region in Florida as a really great area that has a lower price point where you can invest in, but tremendous growth and tremendous need for housing. 
So our Florida specialist, uh, Cody, who we were working with there, I was bothering him about building out a flip model in this Ocala area. And I kept sending him homes. Uh, this is where our clients and our people, we could show them how to flip. You can get in for this $100,000 price point. How can we get this going? And he quickly pointed out, and this is what we do, all of our specialists, because they're all investors who live, work, invest in these areas. It's all they, they do. He said, look, this is not going to work, this model, because homes are going like hotcakes here. Like they're just selling before they're even listed. And people are overpaying. The flip model no longer works. But I'll tell you what, I have a, a builder partner and they are willing to, you know, build some of these brand new homes in this region so we can start solving the housing crisis. And he's like, let's start with five and um, see what we could do here. So I'm like, that's amazing. Our model will be a pre-construction house flip. So we'll build these five homes and we'll have them sold because there's such a need for housing in the area because all of the warehouse structures were going in and being built on spec, which were, I think there's 25 million square feet of warehouses being built on spec with Chewy and Amazon and FedEx filling them and a population growth coming of 300,000. So these are examples of like areas we look for and we could still build a house that's at that quarter of a million dollar price point, which is very, very achievable for US people, for investors who wanna buy them as investments or even people end users who wanna live there. So we called an investor meeting and we said, let's do this. We just need to do five. And we actually ended up building 18, which, which is amazing. And um, by the time the homes were finally built, because yes, we were delayed from the hurricane. This is the hurricane that really hit in Fort Myers. Uh, so that kind of was one obstacle that pushed us back. Um, then we realized really early on that the pre-construction house flip wasn't what people were looking for. They wanted that occupancy a little more. So that was another change of plans. And then, of course, we had the U.S. economy and interest rates <laughs> go way up. So buyer behavior also was affected. So it's been a journey for sure. Now we're kind of switch strategies to a portfolio, portfolio sale. We sell some of these properties for individual sale. But it's such an amazing project still. And I'm so glad and grateful that when we started, we were very, very well aware of real estate investing and of new construction and, and new models and new development opportunity that if you do not have a plan A, B, C, and in today's market, a D, E, and F, <laughs> you're not ready to be investing. So we told That's everyone right from the start, our, our exit strategy here of a pre-construction sale does not work. It's a regular sale or we need to switch to this buy, rent, hold model. And I love the buy, rent, hold model because if you're in the right area, you have time. Time is a luxury and you have time to recoup your investment, hold your investment and really be in control. And that's why I love real estate so much because... If you plan all these things out, there's no other investment you can plan like this. At the end of the day, if you're left with a great product, then it's, it's really hard to go wrong.
Yeah, a great product with multiple exit strategies. Um, a couple of questions I had that I, I want to ask you is one, had you ever done development in the past or was this a new endeavor? I, I am a land developer. So I have done development before. Uh, it's actually our very first development was in our book, Real Estate Mistakes, our first, <laughs> our first book. And so that was really interesting. I think I called it a, it was a lakefront project and we titled it Mistake by the Lake. And that was really, really interesting. But um, as new investors really walking through the development project on our own, nonetheless. Um, I think you'd recall from the last podcast, we invested in those real estate courses that tells you, this is what you need to know about land development, but no one's there to help you when you're doing it. So yeah. when we yeah. went out and we went through the, we really feel like learning is doing in real estate investing. And that's why the RPI education community always has like actual live experts and people there to guide you while you're doing it because that was our first development project and we've gone on to do other um, developments land development is is actually pretty big on the horizon in 2023 we actually have a build more homes um, endeavor throughout all of all across Canada whereas we have to build more homes and I know in the US it's the same thing is that we need to create more housing for people to to live in. So we've raised a lot of capital for large scale developers from multifamily to single family to, you know, big private equity market firms. But we've also done actual mid midterm developers as well and done small midterm developments and housing refurbishments to create extra units, so like single family to multi-conversions to really kind of help pitch in and and solve the, the housing crisis. Yeah, I really like your model and the fact that you have people along the way because development is one of those things that it varies by county, by block, by state, by city. So every time you get into a new development project, it seems like there's always going to be nuances to the project. Um, so having somebody along the way can be truly helpful. I personally have never done development because of those barriers. I focus on other areas and for me to get involved with a development project, I'm, I'm sure I could figure it out, but it's better to have somebody along the way to help you through some of the nuances. It's definitely a big learning curve and you're right. It varies from municipality. And that's why we'd never do, because we do developments also in Texas and we've done some things in Phoenix as well. But those are all done through our specialists at RPI Education who live there. And they have their own investments and they, they focus on that area. I think there's like a lot of people that feel like, oh, I could just go to Florida and start a development. You need a boots on the ground team and you need people who are there all the time that are familiar, you know, with the municipality's regulations, the rules, the variations like it's really, really an intense process and you, anyone can figure it out, but it also takes a lot of time. Now, one thing that we did here on our focus with these homes and why we did these single family residential was these were infill lots. And so the infill lots does not require the rezoning. And so as soon as you get into the whole rezoning, then that is a, a real, real waiting game of up to five years to rezone land already. But the cost of land yeah. was achievable 
and the fact that there are already um, the infill lots, this really kind of helped us speed the process along substantially. But a lot of people want to be developers. And it's, it's funny that you say, you know, I haven't got, got into that yet uh, because it's true. If you do it, it's pretty much should be all that you're doing. <laughs> it should be the land development because it is a huge endeavor. And a lot of people here where we live in Ontario, the first thing that you'll, you'll see go belly up, especially in these financial crises, are these land developments. And there's been a lot of projects stopped in our area that are now selling the entire project. And even with smaller developers doing like a single family infill lot if they're a luxury developer, those two, because soon as the numbers stop working, the developer will walk away from the project. Yep. And all the other lands and the big successful developers, those lands were purchased 50 years ago by very specific right. families. So if here to buy an acre is a million dollars per acre to actually build on, or you're looking at like a 16 to $20 million land parcel to build, you know, a subdivision on, and we're able to get that for a hundred thousand dollars, you know, in, in the, in the U S and still that high growth area. That's really on the up and up on the, on the real estate cycle. That's really the, the trick right there is how, how can you get this land and um, how can you acquire that land for the right price? And if you can get around that rezoning, that will save you a lot of time. Yeah. Speaking on the zoning piece, I have a good friend here in the States that their business model is taking land, buying it from a farmer or from somebody that owns just a bunch of land out on the outskirts and basically rezoning it to the right zoning uh, that you would need to develop on it and then selling it to builders. So when you talk about the zoning process taking three to five years and really have a specialty around that and understanding the nuances and things like that, I mean, they make a great living just zoning properties and then selling them off. They don't do any of the development themselves. Soon as you buy um, the property and then do the development, you're increasing the value each stage. So rezoning that, and there's so much creative financing you can do with farmers too, because they still want to farm the land. They still want to lease back that land. And you could even do rollover financing as you do it acre by acre by acre and, and, and even create your financing during your, your rezoning. It's just incredible the things people can do. And every time you do something additional with that land, like the first thing you rezone it, you've just increased the value of that land. Then when you get the, the sketches or the drawing sun, you've just increased the value of that land. If you put in the water and, and the gas or start with the, with the roads, you've increased it again. So a lot of people can take them step by step by step. It doesn't even have to be an actual land bill. It could just be knowing how to acquire strategic land, how to see if it, you can get it rezoned and doing that hard work. And you've just maximized your profits right there without having the hardships of even selling the, the building. That's right. That's right. Um, you mentioned some of the price discrepancies between the States and Canada, uh, specifically around the price around of an acre. What are some of the other differences you see between the two markets since you operate in both? 
Well, we have to put a lot of money down. Our mortgage um, regulations are very, very strict. They're very, very strict with stress testing. Um, it's hard to do like, you know, even 20% down is difficult. Um, normally, we're at least at 30, 35% down for anything that is for investments. Um, and so that's pretty, like, as I was loving have seeing all these people who are buying our Florida homes, there's so many options for end users and for investors with different types of products, first homer products, uh, VA loans, all these sort of things. I mean, it's amazing how people can get into the housing market a lot easier. Here, it's a lot more difficult. Um, our homes are a lot more expensive. And I'd say like where we live, the average cost for just your starter home is probably closer to like the $1.6 million range. Um, wow. it, it really is expensive. Now, there's other areas in Ontario where you could get in for, for lower, but these are um, and we, we do some investments in those areas that are still. But I mean, if you want to be anywhere near like the main cities, that's you know, pretty much the price is more expensive. But and also another funny thing that I noticed too was the expectation of the buyer. So we were expected to come in, put in a large deposit um, to show we're serious. So I've seen a lot smaller deposits in uh, in the Florida properties, at least here. Sometimes it's a $50,000, $100,000 deposit to show you're serious. Um, and then you have about four or five days to get your financing, inspection, everything in order. Sometimes if you're lucky, those are business days. Otherwise they'll count weekends for that. And um, in, in the U S market, it felt like that could be more what we're expected to do in like five days. Some people have been getting almost five weeks. Um, so it, it's very, very, it's been a lot different for sure. We've done a lot of U S investments before yeah. and notice that, but this is the first time we're usually the purchasers. And uh, but in, in the regards of actually selling them in this caliber of home, because these homes are mid entry level, like entry level properties in the in the mid 200s. So I guess your buyer pool is a little bit different, but it's amazing how there's a, there seems to be a lot more, you know, time and easier point of access for for U.S. investors. And you also have a lot better tenant laws. Too. Well, some of the states do, at least Florida. I know Florida definitely does. Whereas here where we yeah. live, this is um, not landlord friendly. It's it's uh, tenant friendly. And we also get dinged with taxes really bad where Florida is a great place to invest because it's very tax friendly, tax friendly state. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, the idea of tenant friendly laws sound good on paper until you see it in practice. And now all of a sudden you have million dollar starter homes or million dollar rentals versus uh, 250,000 where you were building in, in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to switch us now to, to the book. Um, you've written a sequel to your first book. Um, this one is called Real Estate Wins, Our Systems, Your Success. I guess start us off with why did you decide to write a second book? Well, it was funny because we wrote Real Estate Mistakes. Here's Real Estate Mistakes now. We republished this now with us on the cover. This was actually written in 2016. And it was just this like uh, more of a plain yellow cover. You go on Amazon or Burns and Nobles. I think it's still there, even though they say they're not sold anymore. They're selling the new copy now. And we really kind of felt like, 
you know, after we did real estate, the, the actual joke was real estate mistakes of what we a tell all really of like our first few years as real estate investors, how we almost lost it all because we didn't have the support. We didn't have any of the systems that's required to be a successful real estate investor. We really had to figure all this out on our own. And so while that talks about our journey and sort of what not to do, we thought, well, now we should probably tell people what to do. So we followed it up with with the real estate. We republished real estate mistakes again, just to, to refresh it. We did the actual U.S. edition. Um, so it's been sold primarily throughout throughout the U.S. It's in the Targets and the Walmarts um, and all the bookstores there. So that was super exciting and thought, now let's show them what to do with real estate wins, which really is just simple systems of what people have to have, you know, uh, in their back pocket so they know what to do to be a successful real estate investor and not have to go through everything we did. And it's a very like thin book. It's actually thinner than Real Estate Mistakes. This is more of the tell-all, more of a story. And it was awesome because I sat down, I do read my own books. Um, you know, so <laughs> I reread it after and I thought, what we're trying to create here is not um, like a self, what do they call it? A shelf help book. We don't want to shelf help because how many books do people have that they don't use and they don't read? And we're not really like a reading culture. So this book here, we're creating more all of our books as almost like a pocket book series. You should carry this with you, read it with you, mark it up. It actually has like appendixes in there. It's meant to be marked. It's meant to be used. It's the kind of book that you should really read and can be read in pretty much one sitting. And there's a lot of complex information in there. You're not meant to memorize like the tax things or the incorporate strategies and things. It's meant to have a general understanding. So when you're ready to move forward as a real estate investor, you know what sort of systems to use. You know how to build a, a real estate model or how to pick a really great area. Or if you're going to renovate a house, things that you need to consider um, how to buy properties properly, how not to lose all your money in taxes, how to create that sort of estate plan. These are the sort of things we focus at our, on our points of financial literacy. And once they can read this and bring this with them and then just kind of keep it with them as a real helper tool that they're like, when they're communicating with their team, when they're buying some properties or they're using real estate to build wealth, this is something I can actually just come along and refer to quickly and easily um, and almost kind of put in the glove, glove compartment of your car after you read it. And when you're building your real estate model, like we teach you how to do, it's something you can just use over and over and over again. I don't like those bragging. Yeah, I always like to say talk about that, you know, how smart you are, how you have this. Yeah. We want things in layman's terms. It's easy to digest. So people actually understand what you're saying and then they can actually do it because that's our main unique selling proposition at RPI is we're wealth builders who want you to build wealth by actually doing it, not learning about it and then not doing it. That's why we have the community to actually help you really do it. Yeah. And I also like to say too, in, unless you have systems, you don't have a business. If you don't have systems in place, then you have more of a hobby or a one-off. I think a lot of people got very lucky and very fortunate during this crypto phase and the uh, Reddit GameStop phase of 2021, when in reality, what they did was right place, right time, and they don't have systems around it. 
So until you have systems and repeatable processes in place, you don't really have a plan for how you're going to build a business or build wealth. You just kind of got lucky at one place. So with that in mind, where are some of the systems that you see in your community, new investors fail, and where have you helped them put in uh, institute systems? Hey, fellow investors, before we dive into our next segment of the show, I wanted to take a quick moment to talk to you about a fantastic opportunity for you to invest with me. As you know, here at Ice Cream with Investors, I'm passionate about real estate investing and helping you navigate the exciting world of wealth creation through real estate. And that's why for the first time, I'm thrilled to tell you about an opportunity for you to invest alongside of me. Over the past three years, I've been investing in multifamily, mobile home parks, car washes. I've even become the bank and lent out money to fellow real estate investors on a short-term basis. And now you can come join me. If you'd like to jump on a call and learn more about this opportunity, head to icecreamwithinvestors.com slash invest and find a time for us to connect. And now back to the show. Well, I think the first biggest mistake that we made as real estate investors, and this is what so many people do, is they have shiny penny syndrome and they do too much too soon. So they invest in all these real estate courses, which is great because you want to enhance your financial education, but they're learning. Like we learned, we spent over $100,000 on our real estate education and learned every strategy under the sun. And the difference between us and most people who buy them is we actually went out and did them, um, all of them which is how we made real estate mistakes. And at least we did something because now I'd say, well, we lost it all, but almost lost it all. But now at least we're amazing consultants because you could come and ask me questions like, have you ever done a development before? And I could be like, oh, yes. <laughs> and learned about, learned from it, like learn from those mistakes. And so most people are just so unfocused and what they're sold from these courses is these smokes and mirrors strategies, how to get rich quick, you know, like why buy one property when you could buy 500 properties, you know, and you can do it and, and you could do it with none of your own money. And, but they don't even know how the concepts and the systems really work. And now they're trying to buy 500 units with none of their own money. And in the meantime, they've never even bought a real estate investment property before. I mean, how does that work? I think most of these kind of things that people are being fed is this, this neuro-linguistic programming that really is kind of fed yeah. to them by a lot of these educators saying, you know, they elevate you and then tell you, you could do all of this, which is amazing because we want people elevated. We want them in the right mindset, but in order to build wealth through real estate, you do not have to be a full-time real estate investor and you do not have to have 500 units. You could have one to three active real estate investment strategies and still be a real estate investor. And you can also still have your full-time job and still be a real estate investor. So I always say every American does not need to be a full-time real estate investor, but they have to have real estate in their portfolio to solve one of these, to actually all of these problems. One, retirement. Most people have no retirement savings. Two, help you make more money every month. Most people's jobs are not keeping up with the cost of living. And three, how do we help our kids out? So rather than worrying about buying a 500 unit building because you feel you can, with no money down, you might want to look at your current situation now, where you're 
you're, you're kind of sitting now and say, how am I doing financially in regards to my retirement? You know, what do I have set out planned for me here? How am I doing every month? Do I need to make a little bit more money? A little bit? Am I, am I in the red? Is there some debt I have to kind of account for? Like we like to bring things down to this actual numeric value to figure out why the heck you're investing in real estate in the first place. And it doesn't even have to be active real estate. I know that you have some amazing projects that are passive investment projects. Rather than owning a 500 unit building, I'd rather invest in your 500 unit building <laughs> passively. And right. you don't have to right. do, you know, that type of work. And there's ways you could do that through self-directing. You can be passive investing. There's so many different ways. So people need to really figure out one, they have to have a goal. Why am I doing this in the first place? And it's not just so I could be financially free. Like my kids are financially free because they have no expenses and they have no income. So they're financially free. Homeless people are financially free. You know, it's not financial freedom in that regards. It really is. Where are you in a financial perspective? We have this wealth investment binder that will show you your residual income right down to the T, your net worth, all this sort of stuff. Where are you exactly and what needs to sort of be approved? The next step is what kind of real estate can help you get there? And like I said, we focus on those seven, you know, wealth keys. Real estate is just one of them. And we say, if you own your primary residence, which is great, most people stop there and learn how to strategic leverage that, which is in our, our second module, strategic mortgages and leverage then you're able to buy one to three investment properties, small properties, just for, you know, these active investments. And they can even be single family homes. We like the duplex conversion, depending where you are. But most people are chasing different strategies. If they have these things, they can usually help them solve the retirement problem, helping their kids problem. And then you need to learn how to invest for cash flow. There's a huge difference to invest for long-term goals and invest for cash flow. And then how could we take the money we currently have and invest them and self-direct them like all of your, your 401k, all these sort of things? How do we do it with proper corporate structures and how do we package it nicely to reduce our taxes and pass it down in a nice estate plan? This is the sort of thing that no one's really focusing on. They're just worried about buying a 500 apartment yep. building. But it really is if you start small, you could really start solving your own money problems. Now, once you get all that done, if you're like, I love this and I do want to be a full-time investor, that's great. You can do whatever you want if you solve those problems. And maybe you want to focus on a 500-unit building. But by the time you get there, you'll learn all the other important systems in play. And it's really those seven keys to wealth that all work together, you know, as a system. Otherwise, a lot of people are just doing too much too soon. They're not focused. They're walking away from developments like we spoke about earlier, or they're losing all their money in taxes um, or setting themselves up for lawsuits. You know, there really is sort of a proven way. And that's what we talk about at the RPI education community, as well as in our book. Yeah, I think um, I would summarize kind of what you said there with complexity is the enemy of execution. And ultimately, I had someone say to me early on in my journey that if you really want to build wealth and make sure that you're setting yourself up for retirement and your uh, offspring up for success as you enter into the next world, um, it comes down to buy one property that cash flows in a good market 
every year for 10 years and then stop and let the renters pay it off. Because if you do that one thing, chances are you will be in the top 5% of wealthy people in this country. Uh, and it's not very complex. You just go out there and know your market, find one property and purchase it and make sure it cash flows. And I love how you said that too, because it's just like, it has to be just the right market. Like the area that we identified in Florida, the Ocala Marion County area, you know, now it's, it's early on in that real estate cycle and there's tremendous growth. Most people are worried about Orlando or they're worried about, you know, a vacation property because one day they want to retire there. You know, they're not, or they're looking at these very, very flat, cheap markets. Now, you know, a lot of people come to me, what do you think of this area, that area? I don't want to name anyone specifically in the U.S. unless you want me to. Um, but some of these markets really are like one person on one of my TikToks wrote, cause I was, I was demonstrating how a house, you buy a house for $350,000 in a, in a uh, high growth area, <clears throat> appreciating naturally at 5% a year, buy it when you're 40 years old, 65, that house will be worth $1.25 million. That's not even a full ROI equation. That is just the natural appreciation. I'm not counting any other components of ROI. And he said, not in Washington. That's what this person said to me. And I'm like, well, you missed the other half of the yeah. podcast or the webinar, um, which is talking about a strong area of economic fundamentals. So that's another mistake. Most people, I, they think, oh, I don't have any money. So now I'm going to go invest in areas where it's cheap and more achievable. Well, there are a lot of markets that will be the same, if not less, price in 10 years. Oh, but I, it looks like it's a 10 cap, you know, well, is it a real 10 cap rate or is it a paper cap rate? Because if you're tenants yep. and especially if you're in a non-landlord friendly state, you know, maybe it looks good on paper, but I want to see what it's like when you're collecting, you know, that rent, like, like where, where is the income from that point? So that's why I am so big on area. And also on forced appreciation. I think forced appreciation is the biggest ROI component, you know, using that sweat equity uh, to add to it. That allows you to almost double your investment, even on your repairs alone. Yeah, I, uh, I had this conversation with a friend the other day around this idea of a 10% cash on cash return in a bad market always looks great, but that is a paper return and there are hidden costs in there, specifically around tenant cool. turnover, home maintenance, because normally those areas, the properties are early 1900s, even late 1800s. So the hidden cost of, hey, doing maintenance on this home is not going to be a $500 job. It's going to be a $10,000 job because once you rip up the subfloors, sub you start seeing all the different issues that you have with this property that might not meet code. And now that you're doing something, you have to meet code violations and things like that. So I'm glad you brought up the hidden cost. And to everybody out there, I would say just don't get distracted with the shiny penny syndrome, as you called it earlier, and the returns you see on paper, truly understand, are you in a good, healthy market? Because a healthy market will hide a bad deal any day. A bad deal in a bad market or a good deal in a bad market will never hide from itself. So true. So true. And also, there are also people who live in these markets, these low price markets. If you live there, that's a different story. 
as well. So although my number yep. one, there's only one thing better to do than investing in high growth areas is investing in your own backyard can give you a lot of secret superpowers because <laughs> it really comes down to understanding your area. So let's pretend you live in a very low you know, market where you can get cheap homes and you're able to control that. If you know how you can make money in that market, go for it. But you are going to be the first person. You're going to have the biggest, what do they say? The best defense is an offense or, and um, you, yep, you know yep. your area, you know what the people want, you know, who's going to do this or what this is that. So it gives you that sort of secret advantage um, as well. So the only people that should be investing in the low growth markets are the people who live there and fully understand it because they just have that secrets. It's when people from areas like California, Toronto, New York City, you know, come and then they're there. They see these low prices in other places and say, wowie, this must be the best place to invest. I'm going to get so much. How can I lose? <laughs> and then you lose because real estate investing, it really is not easy. It's a lot of work, uh, but it is the number one. If you know what you're doing, there's no other investment out there that you can get these types of returns. Maybe if you pick a lucky stock pick or you did invest in crypto at that one little time period where it went up. But to me, you may as well be in the casino at that point. Your chances of of um, you know winning in the casino were pretty much the same as in making the right stock pick or or crypto pick. With real estate, you can actually plan everything with this investment. You can have so much control in this investment. You can like plan those plans A to F, like we were talking about earlier. In the event that something might go wrong. Something will go wrong. Like very, it's very, very rare that plan A ever works out, especially right. in bad markets. And we always have to be investing in all markets. That's your job as an investor is not to definitely change areas. Sometimes you have to change strategies that fit the area when you're building your investment model. And we talk all about that in the real estate wins of really how to build a real estate model. So you're a focused investor who knows exactly where they're investing, what they're investing in, uh, what their price point is, what their ROI is going to be, how much money are they going to need for this investment? How are they pre-approved and ready to be approved for this investment? And what are their options in regards to, to exit strategies? Yeah. And having that investment model keeps you aligned and focused and not distracted from the shiny penny syndrome. So if you understand what your zone of genius is, what your plan is, then ultimately you can start saying no to everything else, which will help you go faster. Absolutely. Like every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. That's right. That's right. Real estate mistakes. We were saying yes to everything. We were just so excited because it is exciting. It is very, very exciting. Like real estate investing is exciting, which is why a lot like those courses, like I said, drive on people's excitement. And a lot of people think I'm very boring. I'm like, kind of like the doom and gloom or more boring, sensible real estate mentor in the group of, you know, people who are going to get excited and amp you up. I find it more exciting to be home, 
you know, with your family or being on the golf course or, and making money while you're playing tennis or all this passive thing, rather than being like we were when we started out as investors, where it was chasing the deals and hunting it down and having like a phone on each year. And, you know, we thought being busy was, was good. And this is sort of like a lot of the hype because I think it is achievable to everyone for real estate to be building wealth. If, if you're a full-time investor, it could be an excellent livelihood for you. But like I say, not everyone has to be a full-time investor, but everyone needs real estate in their portfolio to solve these money problems. So we could help you be a full-time investor if that's what people want to do. But also if you love your job or you just want a career change to another sort of job and you don't mind, or you have maybe have your own business already, it's not even real estate related, you still can have the best of both worlds. It doesn't have to be like an either or, and it doesn't have to be so far fetched that a lot of people make it seem to be. It's just such a powerful investment. Yep. Yep. Well, Monica, I'm going to switch us now to our last round. We call this the four toppings. Uh, you've been through this before, but our first one is what is your favorite book or just what is a book that you've read recently that's given you a paradigm shift? Well, my favorite book, and I think I've read it, I don't know how many times I've read it. I had to buy a new copy of it because I've worn through it. So I read it every single day as part of my priming and, and morning, morning routine is the Prosperity Bible. And it's, I probably said this last time too, it's over 2000 pages. It's like the size of a phone book and it's the greatest compilation of a lot of, you know, wealth, um, wealth building and wealth talks like Think and Grow Rich, Acre of Diamonds, um, just beautiful, beautiful stories to read. And so I, I consistently read that every day. And every time I read that and I mark up those books uh, and use them, they're certainly not shelf help ones. Um, I learned something new, even though I've reread it about, I'm on my third or fourth time now. It's like you learn something new every time. So the prosperity Bible is something that everyone has to have on their bookshelf. No, no e-reading. Yeah. And it puts it, it puts it in front of your mind too, as you start the day. So I love starting the day with that. Our second one is what are you most proud of in your life? I'm most proud of the freedom I think I've created in my life. Um, I love the fact that I've not only created a life of freedom in my life, but I've modeled that for my kids and that my kids now aren't growing up thinking they need to grow up and settle for what life gets them, gives them. They're empowered. Like Coco Chanel says, my life didn't please me, so I created my life. And now as they are getting older, because they have four kids that range from age 11 to 19, and they're on their own life journey, seeking like post-secondary education. The second one will be off to university. The other one's two years in. One's venturing to high school. And the way that they approach life is with such an open and excited mind and they're going to these places for higher learning not for job seeking and they know that they're in control of their life and they're just taking this knowledge and creating their own life as they're moving forward rather than letting life live them they're living life and i find that really exciting 
I actually had to explain to my daughter the other day. Um, she told me it was when I did have COVID ages ago, <laughs> mom, you shouldn't work so much, you know? And I'm like, cause I was just working between resting. And I said, Chanel, do you realize that most people have to actually go to work, like go in there and actually work. And she's like, yes, mom, I've seen it on TV. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that was the only they will follow what you had. do. <laughs> she's yeah. seen it on and TV. And they will follow what you do, not what you say. Exactly. Exactly. So, so I think the freedom is definitely the, the, the best goal. And that's my definite, definite highest value amongst anything else is the freedom. Our third one is what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Uh, the best piece of advice I've ever received is life moves pretty fast. If you don't look around every once in a while, you'll miss it. Um, I love that. I think that I'm always amazed with how quickly life goes and each day really is a gift. And it's also an excellent stand, starting off point for being grateful is to be grateful for the day that you have in front of you and how it really is a blank slate. So it's always a do-over. So no matter where you are in life or how people feel, what's stopping them or the hardships they're going through or any barriers, or if they feel like, oh, is this it? You really are the master of your own life. And every day starts, you know, fresh. And like I said, you, you can live your life without having your life live you. Yeah, I, um, we're in the holiday season right now. And that is definitely a great reminder as we go into the new year here. And warning, full disclosure too, is, when you get into that, though, realize holidays don't really, aside from the religious component, if you have that in there, it's like holidays kind of stop even meaning things aside those things. When you create your life, like every day, I like to say I'm on vacation 24 hours a day, I work 24 hours a day. When you get that life that you really want, that you don't need a vacation from, holidays and trips and a lot of these things become almost just bonuses or, or extra add-ons. It's not a necessary reprieve like it was in the past life. So. Yeah. Yeah. Our fourth and final one is if you could sit down and eat a bowl of ice cream with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why? If I could eat a bowl of ice cream with anyone dead or alive, that's a really good question. I have so many people that I would love to have, a bowl of ice cream with. <laughs> um, I think that one of my people that I really, that really made a big difference in my life. And in 2024, I'm, I'm going to make this one of my business goals to really work with him closer is one of my, my heroes and my idols, which would have to be Robert Kiyosaki, who wrote the rich dad, poor dad book. And I would just love to have an actual, I have had the honor of meeting him years and years ago and having a book signing, but I would just love the, the um, honor of having a conversation with him about what, what he thinks about this wealth gap. And I'm pretty sure it's everything I've learned. A lot of it is, is parrots, what he, what he says. I love, I echo his sentiments um, a lot, but I would love to really kind of have him you know, sort of hear 
viewpoints on real estate wins and any add-ons and anything I'm missing here that I can add to create even more knowledge for people. Because I think it's important for people to learn from their heroes for sure. So I think I'll have to choose Talk Robert Kiyosaki for that one. Talk about a man who's changed the education around wealth building for millions and millions of people. He really was. And that's what really what our goal at our PI education really is, is to really help everyday people invest like the top 2% and really continue on teachings and building on teachings like Robert Kiyosaki has, you know, to really actually bring it down to layman's terms and make this available to all Americans. And that's really what, what we want everyone to do. And that's what I have so much respect for him and his books also um, when I'm writing books, because I do create and write a lot of books. Um, I always make it for, he makes it for the people where we write for you guys, not for ourselves. Sometimes books become brag books to show how much we know, but it's how much do you want to really share and, and help others. And his books are very, very easy to read. No, no shelf help books there. That's for sure. And whether they're ghostwritten or not, who cares? I don't ghostwrite. And, that's just me. There's nothing wrong with ghostwriting people. So a lot of people are saying, oh, they're ghostwritten or whatever. Does not make a difference for Robert K. He is no. just incredible. He's got that knowledge. Does not matter how it gets on that paper. And if you listen to his podcast or anything he says, he lives and like permeates that knowledge. So he's, we're so lucky to have people like him and have heroes in the in this industry, that's, that's who we want to be around. So yeah. Cookie dough yeah. ice cream for Robert. Well, Monica, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, Monica, fantastic <laughs> conversation. If our listeners wanted to reach out to you, learn more about you or get a copy of your new book, where is the best place we can point them? Well, the book sold on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, as well as Target, but also our website, rpieducation.com. Perfect. We will link those in the show notes. And then Monica, thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Ice Cream with Investors. If you like what we serve you here, it would mean the world to me if you would like, subscribe, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app.